everybody. Welcome to the Access Ninja Podcast, Episode 8. I'm Jonathan Campbell. And I'm Rachel Magario. And in today's episode, we're going to do a quick recap of Apple's event that happened on September 9th, 2015, where they announced uh, actually quite a few uh, quite a few things all in one presentation, a lot more than I thought they were going to talk about. Yeah, we got loaded with iPad. So we're going to spare you some of the little details. Uh, there's obviously uh, the entire uh, keynote presentation that Apple did is available at apple.com and a lot of other sites are going to do a, a recap of it, but we're going to talk about it from... Uh, an accessibility standpoint, uh, in addition to talking about things we just like and we just thought were cool. Or so, uncool. <laughs> or uncool. So in today's, uh, in the event that happened today, uh, there were uh, four things they discussed. Uh, the Apple Watch, uh, a new iPad, the new iPhones, and the highly anticipated new apple, apple TV. tv and so i thought maybe we should cover this in the order that they covered it and which started out with just a recap of the apple watch uh, where they uh, announced a couple of new bands and a couple of new sports bands and uh, a really really expensive high-end leather band uh, but they also were talking about and we finally got the release date for Apple Watch OS, uh, the Watch OS 2, which will be coming out on uh, September 16th, which is a week from today. Aren't you excited? I, I'm very excited. I haven't been brave enough to put the uh, Watch OS on my Apple Watch. So I haven't been able to test out any of the new things, but the, the main things that uh, I'm excited about, and as far as accessibility goes, we're going to have to see what exactly comes of this, is the fact that um, when that comes out, uh, right now on the Apple Watch, if you want to get an app on there, the apps are basically kind of like these shells that talk back to the app on the phone. So they just kind of give you information about what's going on, and they can be a bit slow because they're getting all their information from the watch. But when the Apple uh, Apple Watch, when the Watch OS 2 comes out, uh, the watch apps will be running natively, so they'll launch faster, and they'll have access to uh, all the fitness tracking. Uh, they'll have access to uh, all the, the data, the motion data, and they'll be able to produce taps for, for the Taptic Engine. So I'm really excited about the type of apps for maybe navigation that'll come out. Um, and I think there's a lot of possibilities for, for new types of apps. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of exciting, although I don't have a watch yet, but I think it's, I'm waiting for it because I think, especially with the navigation could really change my life. I really like the navig the turn by turn navigation right now on the Apple Watch. I like the little gentle taps that it gives you when it wants you to turn. Uh, but I'd love to see what some of these uh, alternative navigation apps are able to do with it. So because right now the navigation options from the Apple Watch are a little bit limited since you're basically just navigating from the uh, from the Apple Maps app. There's some other functionality with like the Google Maps app, but basically the tight integrations with the Apple Maps. So I'll be interested to see uh, what type of maybe low vision or blind navigation apps are, are in there and can take advantage of different tapping 
basically different tapping patterns to send signals to the to the to the user. So I'm actually think- waiting for like uh, Ariane GPS to come out because that would be super amazing because you can kind of keep track of your route and what's going on and so I think that paired up with like maps would be cool or uh c9 gps because i have that and that has an awesome turn by turn on the phone so it would be really amazing if they can transfer that to the apple watch i'd also be really interested because right now with the built-in navigation when you want to get to an intersection and take a turn it basically gives you a, a set of really fast taps to take a right and a tap tap pause tap tap pause tap tap pause when you want to take a left and I think with these other navigation apps, you know, there's different tap patterns that they could potentially do to convey different information without having to use the audio to announce. So I think there's going to be some interesting opportunities there. Uh, we're still going to have to kind of wait and see what happens uh, as far as uh, as far as app development goes. But we're going to start seeing those new apps very soon with the release of the Apple Watch uh, uh, update being imminent. And I should say they also launched some new finishes now too, so you can get a um, rose gold pink Apple Watch and a rose pink iPhone. That's right. <laughs> Finally, somebody paid attention to my gold pink stuff. <laughs> so I don't think there's too much more because there's a lot of upcoming information for the Apple Watch, uh, Watch OS 2 as far as accessibility goes. So we'll, we'll probably just stay tuned with that. But that was the first thing that they talked about. Just a quick recap of the uh, of the Apple Watch. The um, the next thing um, that they oh, I'm forgetting the order now. Who are we talking about the iPad Pro or was it the oh, no, I think yeah, it was iPad Apple. Pro. OK. So the next thing was uh, an iPad announcement, which I really was surprised. Typically, they they have their iPad announcements in October, uh, and they do the phone as its own launch. But they introduced a brand new iPad, the iPad Pro. And uh, this is truly the device I think Tim Cook really wants, because Tim Cook said that he does almost all of his work on an iPad. And I, I can just imagine this being something that he personally is going to be getting a lot of use out of. So the iPad Pro is a bigger iPad uh, with uh, some more power to it and some other special features. It's about 12 point, it's a 12.9 inch tablet. So it's actually coming in pretty close to the, to the uh, uh, screen size to the, uh, the, the 13 inch uh, MacBook Pro. Or the Air Mac. Or the uh, yes, or the or the MacBook Air. It's actually probably bigger than mine because I think I have an eleven inch. Yeah, I think yours is an eleven inch. Yeah. So this one actually has a bigger screen, a bigger physical size. It is uh, actually has a higher resolution display than the uh, than the Retina MacBook Pro, which is so it's a really really high quality display and a really powerful processor, and they added a couple of additional. Uh, features to it that will uh, will affect accessibility uh, that are worth talking about. So in addition to it being a bigger, more powerful iPad, uh, they also added a new accessory, which they're calling the Apple Pencil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> and the Apple Pencil is a high-tech stylus. Um, it looks very much like a pencil. It is pressure sensitive. So as you draw across the screen with the stylus, it knows how hard you're pushing. It has really low latency. So the lines keep up with you. It knows what angle you're using the pen on. So they were doing a lot of examples of people drawing and marking things up with a pencil. But Rachel, when this came up, you had a reaction uh, that you were maybe a little worried about this. You want to explain? (laughs) Yeah, so we were listening to that together in, uh, you know, texting back and forth. And immediately when that pencil came out, they were talking about how you could get an attachment on an email and, you know, make some markings on the document, like circle things or make a check mark. And, and then you could send it back. So I sort of freak out when I heard that because it's already hard enough for me to keep up with like track changes and and things that people point out on the um you know file or we work a lot with um spreadsheets so when people use like just like just a shadow for example and they'll put anything else or or just change color for some cells and then they tell me oh do you see my changes and then i have to remind them hey like we need to use something else so that made me think that you know, it will become sort of like a picture and and then I wouldn't be able to know what those edits were. And, and then I panicked and I said, oh, no, this is going to mess up with accessibility. But who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll have to see because I know that, you know, from all the apps that I use that I can do uh, sketching and all that, there's only a few that I can use on the iPad. But uh, most of the demonstrations were made on Adobe, which I think is going to be just amazing for any designer or cartoonists or artist. You know, it's going to be something amazing. And I, and I do think, like you said, Jonathan, that that's probably a niche, um, you know, accessory. But if that becomes totally, uh, the, um, like, you know, if everybody starts using it, then, then I'm getting afraid that maybe all the parts that are handwritten or or drawn on then they won't have uh, labels and and therefore affect accessibility in a big way well they had uh, on two people from microsoft and they were showing off uh some of the ways you can use the apple pencil to mark up a word document for changes and you don't actually have to use the apple pencil to do some of those things you could do it with your finger Dragging it around the screen. You yeah, know, to, and, to draw I, things. and I imagine that would still be accessible because then you were actually dragging the the words itself. But they didn't say anything about pages and numbers, and I'm wondering how that's going to work because, to say the truth, um, you know, Microsoft Office is not accessible on the Mac or in the iOS as far as I know. The desktop one, and I, I haven't done a ton of practice, is written in Xcode, so it's it's significantly more accessible than uh, any of the previous versions have been on the Mac. From my experience, uh, it's not perfect, uh, and I haven't I haven't done a full test with the final version. Uh, but the the demo that they did with the with Office with the pencil, actually, they were just drawing things on top of uh, on top of the screen to say like scr- scratch out this line or circling things. Right. 
And I don't think those are going to be accessible. Right. Because they're just going to be, it's basically layering a photo on top of your documents. So I think there's an awareness that when you're using tools that are drawing things on the screen, which are going to be always popular on the iPad, that uh, those types of markings are generally not accessible. Well, but it, it they could be, you know, it's it's kind of like when everybody said that a touch screen phone would never be accessible and Apple made it accessible. So I, I really think it's just people need to start thinking differently. And as a designer, which very often cannot perform my job because, you know, every job out there for me that, uh, you know, for interaction designer requires uh, knowledge on Adobe Suite, which I do have, but I can't use it. I mean, I can't open any Adobe app on the iPad and I cannot use it. And, you know, there's pixels and there's things. There's this app called uh, Idea Sketch, and it's for creating um, concept map concepts. And, you know, you create little bubbles and you do things. And over there, I can choose, like, if I want a circle, a big circle, a small circle, what color, and then I can put uh, the text inside it, and and then I can actually drag with my fingers and move things around. So I think it is possible, and and I'm a big time visual brainstorming kind of person, and I wish that we could do more of that, you know. So I would be actually curious to see what's gonna happen with that pencil. I think it could be more accessible. It's just I don't think anybody's thinking to make it. One of the parts of the tech demo they did was the the guy running it drew a arrow on the screen and the program recognized that he was drawing an arrow and turned it into a graphic error rather than a hand-drawn arrow. And if there is a recognition engine like that, that could, as long as that item is recognized and labeled correctly, you could say arrow pointing upwards, pointing left, pointing down, circle, large circle, small circle. So it is, you know, reasonable to, if you're using some of these tools to to make some of that aspect uh, automatically accessible, but they have to be aware of it and motivated and have to code it in correctly. Well, and first we need to make the Adobe app, uh, you know, accessible in the first place. Because if I cannot even get in there to draw, then, you know, besides the point. Exactly. So I don't want to talk too much about the Pro, but some of the accessories were uh, were, were big because the, the Pro is a really big, powerful iPad. And I could throw out all the numbers, but they've got them all on the on the Apple website. Uh, but that, that pencil, I think, had a interesting was a very interesting stylus um it's about a hundred oh it is not about it's 99 dollars uh to add it on and it's only going to work from my understanding with the ipad pro right now but as the new ipads come out i suspect it will be come compatible with probably all the ipads in the next couple years they also introduced another accessory which is interesting which uh, the iPad Pro has a new port on the side that allows it to be plugged into a new smart keyboard. And so this is going to be a, a, it's a keyboard in a stand kind of built into a case, um, somewhat similar to the uh, Surface, uh, Microsoft Surface tablet, which has a kickstand. It has an attachable uh, keyboard. 
Uh, this keyboard pulls power from the iPad, so it doesn't use uh, its own batteries. And uh, But it's using the same uh, keyboard technology that they put into the new uh, Mac, MacBook that came out, or as some people are calling it, MacBook 1. Uh, which is the, their very their brand brand new MacBook, which has a much lower profile keyboard. So I'm really going to be interested to get my to get my hands on it and feel. It. Although it's a bit pricey, it's 169 dollars, which is I mean their wireless keyboard right now is 79. So it's a it's a significant increase on the the existing Bluetooth uh, wireless keyboard. Well, the truth though is that the material is different, right? So maybe that's what jacks up the price. It's but, a very different material, and it doubles entirely as a case. Well, and what I'm really excited about is that I use keyboards on my iPads with covers, but the problem is that they're not Apple keyboards. So I cannot do any of the voiceover commands that I can do you know, in, on, on an Apple native keyboard. Have you run into, I, I have bought a keyboard before Logitech makes a couple of really good low profile keyboards, but they do this really obnoxious thing where uh, in order to fit their function key on the keyboard, they'll move the control key to only one side. So it'll be all, so the control key will be to the right of the spacebar and the command and the option will be on the left. And of course, if you're doing any of the, the voiceover commands, you, you wanna use command and uh, I mean, you wanna use control and option for those. Correct. And so now you've got to hit control on the right-hand side of the space bar, option on the left-hand side, and then press your key. It's a huge pain. It's like playing finger twister. Right. And I try to remap the keys, but I cannot do that on the iPad. I have slightly good news. iOS 9, which we said will come out in about a week, allows you to uh, repurpose the caps locks key as the VO key. So, or the command and option key. So you'll be able to, if you wanted to do like um, read all, which would be VOA, um, you could just hold cap locks A. Awesome. So that'll be coming out in a week as part of iOS 9. And uh, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. So for those of us who are, who are dying or uh, to uh, uh, from keyboards that split up the command and option key, or if you're just tired of pressing two keys, it'll be nice because cap locks is right next to shift. So if you want to do like a VO shift command, you could probably hit both the cap locks and the shift key with one finger if you if you have the right type of keyboard. So that could make things a lot easier. That is very exciting. I did not know that. So I can't wait. They're also allowing you in iOS 9, well, while I'm on the topic, to uh, uh, change the, uh, the speed at which you have to do a double tap. Because I have a couple people that I've worked with who have a hard time with the speed that you have to do the double tap gesture but they're allowing you to slow it down so you don't have to press uh, double tap as quickly. Hey, can they let you speed it up? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, darn it. I wanted mine faster. Now, the only other thing I, I want them to do is for you to uh, allow you to adjust the sensitivity of the, the flick left and flick right gesture because I have some people that struggle with, with that gesture and it uh, can be rather unforgiving as we talked about in the previous podcast. Yes. So that's about all I wanted to say about the uh, iPad Pro, unless there's anything else you wanted to add. 
No, just that they will come up with the mini pro, no, not mini, <laughs> mini iPad 4, which has a faster speed now. Yes, yeah. So now they've got, uh, you know, a cranked up uh, speed uh, iPad 4, which is basically the, if I understand correctly, was the iPad Airs 2's internal just compressed. Right, on the mini so, iPad. 4. On the mini iPad, so. And then they the still have the the version two iPad Mini, so they have a price point starting at two sixty nine now, uh, and then going all the way up. And the new uh, iPad Pro is going to start at seven ninety nine for a thirty two gigabyte Wi Fi only model. Um, so we'll have a starting point of about eight hundred. So if you starting at two sixty nine and going up like three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, they've got an iPad at pretty much every price point. Uh, going up depending on the size and storage space that you need. So a, a pretty wide uh, selection now on the iPads. Darn, I should have sold my mini iPad before. <laughs> so then the next big announcement, which um, which was highly suspected they were going to talk about, is an updated Apple TV. And those of you who are not familiar with it, this is not a, a television set. This is a, a, a little box that you plug into your TV that allows you to access uh, web video, uh, play iTunes content, stream video from Netflix, other streaming services on the uh, on the television. And they came up with a brand new one. Um, it's, it looks like two Apple TVs stacked on top of each other. So it's a bit taller than the existing Apple TV, but it's a it's the box itself. Um, uh is uh, I think 1.3 inches by 3.9 inches. Oh no, I think it's I think it's 1.3 inches tall and then three. Oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. It's 1.3 inches by 3.9 by 3.9. Oh, it's a tiny box. Okay, it's so, like smaller than than uh, PlayStation, than the Wii, than you know that stuff. Oh, much it's smaller. Just, yeah, yeah, it's super small and it's nice, and you can just plug it in. I have one here. It has voiceover on. And what is super cool about an Apple TV is that if you plug it in and you don't do anything for five minutes, voiceover comes on because it realizes that you probably cannot see what's on the screen. Oh, before we go too far, I forgot to mention that iPad Pro is going to be uh, available in November. So just I didn't mention a release date. I wanted to wanted to say that before we moved on too far. Uh, but the the Apple t the new Apple TV and while we're on while we're on the release date is going to show up sometime at the end of October. Um, if you've had another Apple TV before, you know it's it's used a, a remote control that was basically a, a, a little circle button with a circle around it that went left, right, up, down, and had a menu and a play button. This new remote that they have is is very different. Uh, it's Bluetooth, uh, so the other remote control had to be pointed in the direction of the Apple TV. And sometimes it was less than generous as far as <laughs> which direction I had to point it in. Yeah, sometimes I have to get up and go around the thing that's on the way. <laughs> so it's finally a Bluetooth remote that can, re it's rechargeable, comes with a lightning port. So the same port that your phone or your iPad, so you could plug it in using the same power adapter if you wanted to. Um, it has uh, a selection of buttons on it. So it has a, a physical menu button, uh, a button to turn on your television and adjust the volume, uh, channel up and channel down, uh, a Siri button, 
and a play button. And the buttons are designed differently. They are these circular buttons for all of them except for the volume. The volume's like a pill shaped. So you like a rocker, you point, touch the top section, it volumes up, press the bottom section, it volumes down. Uh, they're a lot more tactile. And I imagine there's gonna be easier to physically find the buttons on it uh, than I think the existing remote. Not that the existing remote was difficult. I just It just seems they're, the buttons are very distinct. And then above the buttons, is a touchpad area. Uh, it's not that dissimilar to a trackpad on a computer where you can swipe left, right, up, down, or push in, which they were referring to as a click. So you can click the remote. So with this, you can swipe to navigate around the menus, uh, push in to make a selection. There's a, you can press the dedicated Siri button and it's very generous with the type of voice commands, at least from the demos that they showed. So you could say, find me something funny on tele television and it'll give you TV shows that are comedies. So you can say, I want to see movies with uh, a certain actor, like uh, uh, I have Patrick Swayze stuck in my head for some reason, but I want to see a Patrick Swayze movie and it brings up Dirty Dancing and his other movies. Um, you can say, no, no, just the, just the funny ones and it will just show the comedies, for example. Um, and so I'm really excited to see how um, how that plays out. All the Apple TVs um, uh, have had voiceover on them, so I suspect this one will be no different. Um, the interface being similar um, should not be a, a particular challenge uh, as far as navigating. And with the Siri feature, it should be really easy to find things so you don't have to deal with the typing on the tiny, tiny keyboard or using the arrow keys or uh, to... Uh, to fill out a, a keyboard God. It takes forever because yeah. I used to do that and I hate doing that keyboard. So I used to use the remote app so I could pull the keyboard on my iPhone and that's no longer accessible. Now they also allow uh, app developers to make apps for this new Apple TV. Not all that dissimilar to the, uh, the iPad and the iPhone. Of course, a different user control with the, with the remote control. And uh, those are all made in Xcode. So that's really good news as far as accessibility goes because Xcode uh, with, uh, with their operating system uh, makes it rather easy for voiceover to be integrated into an app. So although there's no guarantee the app developers are going to be proactive, uh, the tools are there and available so we can just harass them if they don't, uh, if they don't do it right. Well, and then there's gaming, which wasn't there before, and I'm sure that's going to be really exciting, but probably not for voiceover users, because I haven't found any accessible games yet. It'll be interesting to see, because um, the, the remote can act as a, a game controller, and it has some Wii controller st style things as a gyroscope so it can know if it's being swung or flipped up or flipped down uh, so it can be used as a, as a motion game controller i'll be interested to see um yeah not a lot of games in development are voiceover friendly there's a handful of games that are designed specifically for voiceover like blind dice and things like that uh, but the mainstream apps don't always get the uh, the attention that we'll they deserve the cool you know, the cool games are never accessible. <laughs> not I, that the other ones are not cool. Don't take me wrong. 
I will say as far as accessibility goes, um, PlayStation's actually done a pretty good job. I've got a PlayStation 4, and if you go to the accessibility menu, um, it has a lot of uh, options. You can remap the entire controller. So if it's a user who can't use the typical controller or using a customized controller, like a one-handed controller, you can remap any game's uh, controller scheme. Uh, it's got captioning. Um, it's got a section for descriptive audio, but I haven't really tested that out. Uh, and so it's good to see a company like Sony making that a priority on, on their platform as far as accessibility, but there's not hasn't been a lot of attention for low vision and blind users for gaming. Yeah, for blind users, definitely not. I mean, there are a few, but they're usually text-based and, you know. I mean, I think it's, and of course, let's not get out of the topic here, but the thing is, I used to play games when Atari was around because the sounds actually meant things. You know, so I could guide myself through a lot of those. But, you know, the more visual got better, sounds like the sound just doesn't, you know, the sound doesn't match with anything. It's just sound for the heck of sound and not, and not for the sake of navigation. I think there's some opportunities not regulated to the Apple TV necessarily, but to some of the uh, virtual reality equipment that's coming out, like the Oculus Rift and the uh, Sony's. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of their of their of their VR goggles, but these have a, a lot of 3D sound. So when you put on one of these headsets, you know, and it puts the the screen right in front of your face, it also usually has headphones, and the audio pays attention to which way you're physically looking. So there's some interesting opportunities. We should do a podcast on gaming. That would be awesome. Yeah, that might be a good topic to cover. So the Apple TV, uh, a lot of really cool aspects to that. Um, I'm really excited to see how it does as a as a accessible set top box. It doesn't it doesn't act as like a a DVR or anything like that. It's just streaming content. It uh, does have a universal search, so if you have HBO Now or uh, or HBO Go, Netflix, Hulu, uh, if you're a subscriber to those things, you can just search right in the main menu and you'll get results for, uh, mo- if you search for a movie and the movie's available through iTunes, but it's also available through Netflix and you have a Netflix subscription, you can it'll show up in that same search. So you don't have to open up each individual app to see if your movie is available there. And we'll use Showtime also. That's right. So one universal search, that's very exciting. So I'll be interested to see the, uh, that's going to be, um, like I said, it's going to be available at the end of October. They're putting out a developer kit that's going to be available on the 11th uh, that uh, developers will have so they can start working on uh, their apps. And they even have a deal. So if an, an app developer can make a universal app for the iPhone, the iPad, and the Apple TV. So if you buy the app on one of those platforms, it's available on all of them, and you don't have to rebuy it. And you can start a game in your iPhone and continue on your Apple TV. So it'll be very interesting. It really looks incredible. I 
they really needed to to have this be a really strong product since the Apple TV hasn't been updated in a while. And there are a lot of competitors to these streaming boxes on the market right now. And I think they've made a very, very, very compelling product. So that's starting out at $149 for a 32 gigabyte model for streaming content or iTunes content. So you don't have to worry about that storage device. That's just for your extra apps that you're downloading. So games, things like that. They have a 64 gigabyte model for $199 as well. I'm really excited. I think, you know, I, I've always wanted my Apple TV to kind of talk to the rest of my devices. And I'm really excited because I have my Apple TV actually here on my office. And, you know, I play like iTunes radio and all that. Or sometimes I airplay from my iTunes like a book. But it's just going to be so cool. I hope that I can start a book on one place and continue on another. I got an invite since I have a uh, an app in the App Store from Apple to register for an Apple TV developer kit. But I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can justify it right now. We just actually upgraded our, our Apple TV earlier this year. So um, we've already got $100 down on that. So I might have to wait off a little bit. But if you get it, you're going to have to tell me all about it. Yay. Yeah, because I haven't updated mine like in four years. So, But I don't know. Birthday gift, maybe. It looks, it looks pretty nifty. So um, very excited about that and the possibilities and what it might look like in the future. So, well, the big thing, the last big thing that happened uh, today was an announcement of the new phones, which was not a surprise to anybody. That's this is about the time of year when the new iPhones come out. So they announced the 6S and the 6S Plus. Plus, plus. plus, plus. <laughs> It's the same form factor as the uh, as the current iPhone six and uh, and six plus, but uh, with a lot of new hardware in it. Everything's faster and more powerful than before. More powerful processor, higher quality camera. They really redid a lot of the pieces yeah, of it. So that camera, it's amazing because you know they kept saying that they weren't going to increase the pixels because if you increase the pixels, then you get more noise on your picture if you can't have the image sensitivity, I mean, the sensors. And they did, like, this awesome job of increasing your pixel but keeping the quality of the image there. So the new camera, the rear-facing camera is a 12 megapixel camera capable of shooting 4k video which i don't even have a display capable of playing 4k video right now <laughs> oh my god can i tell what's the best best thing for me what's I even that? tweeted about it live photos oh what so why are you so excited about live photos well because here's the deal Every time I take a picture, and I take a lot of pictures of, you know, really weird stuff sometimes as a designer, sometimes I take a photo of a hinge on the bathroom door or a toilet or whatever it is. So I can never uh, rename them because they have just the date and that string number uh, dot .img and I'm... And then I have to give it to somebody else so they can, like, you know, write it down what it was. Or I have to come home, run, 
into the computer, download them and rename them. And I have to know exactly the order that I took the pictures. And now, I mean, it's a still photo, but it will take the sound of the moment that you took the picture, like maybe a second or two. So it's um it's a second and a half, I believe, before and after the photo. So it's gonna be about three seconds, I awesome. believe. Awesome. So I mean three seconds. I mean, go ahead. Count twenty-three and I'll I'll say something. One photo of a toilet. Two, three. There you go. So you see, I can be saying something as you take the picture. I mean, of course, that was not the goal. The goal of live picture uh, photos for Apple is to get that snippet noise of that moment in time and make it more real, which I, I love. You know, I've always asked my sister, like, don't take a stupid picture. It takes like a five-second video instead so I can... I don't know if it's a picture of a beach, you know, I could hear the sound of the waves, right? So I think this would be so amazing because for me, I can just not just say the label of the whatever it is that I'm taking picture, but I could tell everybody to say, I don't know, cheese, so that I might recognize the voices or like when I went to Hawaii, I can take a picture of you know, like, I don't know, a whale in the ocean. And so all that would just bring the picture to life to me. I would be able to know what it is and I will be able to rename them without having to remember exact orders and times and how many pictures I took. And in case we haven't made it clear, these these live photos, essentially when you, when you take a photo, it records a second and a half before and after the moment you press the, uh, the shutter button to take the photo. And the photo will look like the photo exactly how you took it on the iPhone, but with the 6 Plus, you'll be able to do this force touch. So it's a more, you basically push down harder and it will play back like a little mini video. And so you, um, you'll have uh, the still photo and a video and, and that's gonna be integrated into uh, photos on the Mac and it's gonna play back on the iPad. It's gonna play back everywhere that they say. So I, that's a really good application. I hadn't thought about that. Well, I just wish that more people could use or like, you know, if like Vine supports it or Instagram, whatever, like imagine how awesome that would make accessibility because then instead of getting that string of stupid numbers dot ing, I would actually be able to hear something or make up something, you know, instead of getting just a string of numbers. Because my friend the other day, uh, sent me a picture and he said, oh, look what happened yesterday. And he sends me a picture. <laughs> and I, I mean, I love him for treating me normal and, you know, totally forgetting that I'm blind. But it was just like, okay, what's in the picture? So, you know, I made fun. I was like, really? You know, like with a sarcastic face. And then uh, he's like, oh, <laughs> and then he described what happened. So in addition to this, uh, the camera being better and getting these cool uh, motion pictures, they also added a brand new feature called 3D Touch, which is a fancy word for saying um, basically the, the iPhone screen is pressure sensitive now and it knows how hard you're pushing down on it. And for a, you know, without voiceover, the way that this would work is you do a a hold, like a hard push on an app and it opens up a pop-up menu that 
you know, has things like you do it on the map app, you get directions home or send by location or search nearby. Or if you're in an email app, you push down, it gives you a preview of the email, just a cup, you know, just a little bit of what's there. And if you let go, it doesn't mark it as read. It just keeps it in the mailbox. If you push it even harder, then it actually opens up the mail. So there's, so what I'm really curious about, which we haven't been able to get uh, a good reading on, and I, I checked out their website and they don't have anything about accessibility updated on this yet, is how uh, VoiceOver, VoiceOver might be able to implement this new type of touch where you can push harder, have like multiple layers of pressure. Uh, and so I'm kind of interested of where they could go with that. Yeah, I'm super curious to get mine and be able to try it out. Well, what was the pricing that the new iPhones are coming out? So the new iPhones basically take the place of the old iPhones and the pricing model. Uh, if they are an on contract, so you're you're renewing a phone contract with them, uh, the 6S, so that's the, the smaller of the two, uh, s- starts at 199 for 16 gigabytes, uh, 299 for 64, and 399 for 128. I'm a little disappointed they didn't get rid of the 16 gigabyte and replace it with a 32 for the starting point, especially with especially with 4K video and these motion photos, which I'm sure take up more space. But but whatever the reason is, it's a little disappointing. If you're not on contract, so if you have to, if you're buying uh, an unlocked phone and you're not uh, paying through a contract. Uh, then the price points are uh, the 16 gigabyte starts at 649, 64 is 749, and then 849 for the for the 128. Uh, and of course, there's now new pricing models where you can lease phones or or do a, a monthly payment. So there's lots of options for price points, but basically it takes place at the old ones. Uh, the six plus um, starts at 299 on contract for 16 gigabytes, 399 for 64. And four ninety nine for one hundred twenty eight, and its starting point for off contract is uh, seven forty nine, eight forty nine, and nine forty nine for sixteen sixty four and one twenty eight. So they basically took the price of the old phones, and the old phones all just basically dropped a hundred. So they're going to keep selling the the regular six and six plus for a hundred dollars less each price point, and then the five S is going to stay on the model uh, as at the lowest price, which will be free on contract. I don't have the numbers for how much that would be off contract. But basically the 5S will be uh, their starting model now. So no new um, 5Cs, uh, the plastic backs, back uh, back to phones. Thank God. <laughs> so are they stopping the 5Cs? I don't think they're going to be selling uh, them new anymore. My wife has one, actually. They, they, they were nifty little phones, but... Uh, with the plastic back. So now all the new ones will be uh, all aluminum. Yeah, I didn't like, I helped some kids, uh, blankets that had the 5C and I really saw a, you know, drop on performance for VoiceOver. It's probably because of the processor. Yeah, we had the, basically had the processor of the original 5 before the 5S came out. Right. So it wasn't really great. So I'm excited that's that's going to be the phone I'm going to upgrade to. My contract is running out for the year. And so I'm probably going to be looking at the 6S. The 6 Plus is just, just too big for me. Yeah, well, some carriers are trying to push you from, away from contracts, though, because they want you to lease and then you pay the full 
amount, you know. Yeah, in fact, in fact, Apple's offering a new plan themselves if you want to buy out of contract, but you want to buy from them uh, instead, uh, which will be interesting. So you basically, you they they're going to sell at a uh, a monthly rate. Um, I'm trying to find the numbers on that, but basically, um, instead of paying for the phone completely out of pocket, you would pay a monthly amount and then, uh, you would get an out of contract phone and then you can upgrade the following year. Uh, if you turn in the old phone, get the new phone. So it's like the, every year you can get a new iPhone, but you had to pay a certain amount every, every month. Oh, I had it written down here, but I can't find it here. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find it before we finish here. That would be really, really interesting. But... Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the carriers are doing the same thing where you basically pay a monthly amount on top of your um, your phone, whatever your phone um, plan is, how many minutes or so forth. And uh, depending on the phone, you pay so much a month. Uh, but sometimes they'll do that leasing, so you don't actually own the phone. But the idea is, since you're leasing it, you can trade in the phone and get a new one every year if you want to. Uh, but you're paying a different amount, so it kind of, if you're afraid of that initial price, it can be a bit high. But I mean, long term, you're going to be paying more than if you had been able to pay straight out. Yeah, so I'm excited about the new the new iPhone. I'm going to be doing an upgrade myself, so we'll probably t- I'll talk more about uh, that 3D touch and some of those improved features as I get a hands-on experience. Next week, iOS 9 comes out. I'm very excited about that. I've been running it on my iPad, uh, and it's pretty solid. Um, so I'll be expecting the, the final version of that to be released uh, to developers, and then on uh, September 16th, we'll have the full version. And uh, there's a lot of new keyboard shortcuts. Yay. If you're using a keyboard, if you're a keyboard user on the, uh, on the okay. iPad and the iPhone, for that matter, and uh, those are really exciting too. So that will be very, that'll be great. So we'll talk about that more when that happens. More to come soon. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed uh, this episode and this quick recap of the Apple uh, event. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for your uh, for any upcoming episodes, send it to us at feedback at access.ninja. dot <laughs> ninja.